Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 191 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Welcome back to the show for a fresh new episode. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. So if you're a long time listener of the podcast, and I know there are a ton of you out there, thank you for being so amazing and loyal. You're um, like crazy, crazy, crazy. Thankful. Crazy thankful is what I'm trying to say. I have a guest uh, back on the show who was here for episode 32. So this is that was back in uh, January 2016. Um, I had Robin Tobe on the show and I have her back. She is a financial speaker, writer, consultant, and I had her on the show uh, back in 2016 to talk about her book called A Parent's Guide to Raising Money Smart Kids which is great if you have kids and you're trying to figure out how can I educate them about money because honestly, you can't rely on the school system to do it. You need to kind of take a charge. This is a great book to um, pick up because it it goes through how to talk to your kids about this so they become very uh, money smart adults, which what a concept. How amazing would that be? So I ran into Robin at uh, the book launch for uh, Melissa Leong's book, uh, Happy Go Money, back in January of this year. And we got to chatting, just, you know, kind of catching up. And we started talking about, wouldn't it be great to have another episode, an interview uh, together um, to talk about specifically women and money? It just seems like there's a lot of great um, studies that are going around that we could really do a deep dive into. And so that's exactly what we're doing for this episode, which I feel like is very timely because yesterday was equal pay day. I will be 100% honest. Uh, the reason I found out that yesterday was equal pay day was because it was uh, trending on Twitter and a lot of, uh, women, uh, friends sharing it on Twitter, uh, looked it up. And apparently it was started in 1996 by the national committee on pay equity, uh, as a public awareness event to illustrate the gap between men's and women's wages. And, uh, you know, they encourage people to wear red on equal pay day to symbolize how far women and minorities are in the red with their pay. It's, uh, it's kind of annoying, I'll be honest, and aggravating that it is 2019. And still, there are all these studies and stats coming out that women are still earning less, even though we are doing the same amount of work, if not more, quite honestly. So we still have a lot of work to do. We have a a lot of uh, things to do to get to equal pay. So uh, anyways, we're, we're you know, we're going to chat about all of these great things in this episode. So I'm going to love it. Make sure to listen to the full episode and the end of this episode. I've got some very important announcements to share with you. Um, but before I get to this interview with Robin, uh, just a few words about this episode sponsor. This episode of the Momony podcast is sponsored by the Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card. What kind of cashback are you getting with your credit cards? Not sure? Let's review and see if you could be earning more. The Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card is offering new cardholders 10% cash back on everyday purchases for the first three months, up to $2,000 in total purchases, plus the annual fee waived for the first year. That's a value of up to $299 in your first year. After the first three months, you'll earn 4% cash back on gas and groceries, 2% cash back on drugstore purchases and recurring bill payments, and 1% cash back on everything else you spend on your card. This is why this card received MoneySense's Best Cashback Card with Fees Award for two years in a row. Want to learn more about the Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card and this limited time offer? This offer expires April 30th, 2019. Just visit jessicamorehouse.com slash scotia or visit the show notes for this episode. Once again, that's jessicamorehouse.com slash scotia, or check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks, Robin, for joining me on the Moment Podcast once again. Uh, I'm so glad to finally have you back on the show because it's been several years since I've had you on the show, and I feel like a lot has happened in both our lives. <laughs> Very true, and thank you for having me back. You're so welcome. So yeah, the first uh, episode I had you on, we talked about, um, you had a book, you talked about just how to educate 
parents so they can educate their kids about personal finance, which I think is so important. And still, there, I haven't found really too many guests besides yourself that really have that much knowledge about that. But I think it's always something that's so um, it's always front of mind for me because I'm getting to that age where everyone I know is having babies. Right. <laughs> so right. I'm like, let's start introducing these concepts. Like, don't wait until you know, they're much older. It's like integrate this part of the conversation early. So it doesn't seem like so hard for them to kind of grasp as a concept. Yeah, so. it's true. My my book came out, I think it's now being eight years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And my kids are now 22 and 24. Mm-hmm. So it's really amazing to see how some of the stuff that I, you know, I mean, a lot of the book came from what I lived mm-hmm. with them and to see it paying off now, that they're in their 20s and, you know, the stakes are higher. And that was sort of the, you know, the key thing in the book was you want to start when they're young and the stakes are low and they can learn and make mistakes. Because by the time they're they're at this stage where they finish university and they're working, they really do need to know, um, you know, more than the basics, but really how to start setting goals and, you know, taking steps towards achieving those goals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's very cool. It's yeah. the best life, real life experiment that you're doing. I like that. <laughs> yeah. My human peak, my human peak, uh, what's the word? Guinea pigs. Yeah. Human guinea pigs. I like that. <laughs> um, but you're on the show this time because we uh, reconnected at uh, Melissa Leong's uh, book launch party, which was so great and so fun. And we started chatting and uh, the kind of topic of kind of uh, diversity and genders and money started coming up. And I'm like, I don't think I've really had... Um, anyone on the show t- to talk specifically about the differences of men and women and money. Cause I, 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 you know, I, I clearly know the differences between, or, or like some of the struggles or some of the issues that us women deal with when it comes to money. There's lots of, those are very apparent, but we don't talk about some, like, well, why do we have lots of these differences or struggles? Like what, what can we talk about? And, you know, there's a lot of studies, there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of different, fact sheets and stuff out there that kind of talk about this. So I thought that'd be a fun topic to talk about for this episode. <laughs> yeah, so did I. I just find it so fascinating because there is a lot of research that shows a significant gap in the no- in the financial knowledge and capability yeah. between men and women. But um, what really accounts for that gap? Is it gender? Is it sociodemographic mm-hmm. factors exactly. like age, education, and income? Or is it personality traits? Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot going on. And mm-hmm. I thought it would be, you know, for my own sake, I was very interested in diving into this and learning a lot more about, um, you know, which factors do impact people's financial literacy and their ability to uh, form good behaviors and habits. Exactly. So let's jump in. So one of the things that when I think about kind of both genders and money is, well, historically, men have always been the the earners, the providers, the money managers in the family. They've had kind of historically more generations, more time to really get comfortable with the concept of money. Whereas it's really been only in the past maybe 100 years, maybe even less that women have been really able to earn money, uh, spend money independently, make their own decisions. I mean, it wasn't honestly, sadly, that long ago that women were able to finally open up a banking account without their husband's consent, which is just crazy. I think that has obviously got to be part of the equation when it's like, oh, women have a harder time making decisions or aren't as confident. I'm like, well, why do you think? Look at history. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, we were, women were socialized differently around money. There Mm -hmm. were societal norms and social forces that kind of implied to women that money's for the men. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about that. You just kind of take care of the home, you know, the home Mm -hmm. front and we'll be the breadwinner. But then, as you know, and as you said, so many women have entered the workforce, um, you know, in the last Mm -hmm. 50 or even longer Mm -hmm. years. So things have really changed in many ways. Now, Mm -hmm. I feel like the financial industry is still a male domain. Like I just read that in the U S 86% of investment advisors are men with an Mm -hmm. average age of over 50. Yeah. That sounds about right. Right? (laughs) When you think about it, like when I think of a kind of typical financial advisor, I think of a white 
old guy, old guy, a 50 year old guy in a suit who's kind of telling me, you know, mansplaining basically. That is my personal experience. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think that that has been a lot of the experience for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, But I think it goes beyond just like the mentality in that. And there's other reasons why women have a different relationship with money and like the legacy of the things you described earlier. So as you probably read there, you know, women are paid less than men. There's Mm -hmm. gender pay gap that has been all over the news recently. Um, And, you know, it's anywhere between, it's around 80 cents. Women make Mm -hmm. around 80 cents for every dollar a man makes. Mm -hmm. And that can really um, translate into, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars over your working years. Also, women tend to take more career breaks to care for Mm -hmm. their kids or for their parents, just kind of Mm -hmm. the way it's always being is that it's impacted women's careers more so that women's salaries tend to peak in their 40s while men's peak in their 50s. And then also women live longer than men, Mm -hmm. almost five years longer. So all of that stuff has financial implications for women around, you know, having savings and saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we, it just sounds like kind of like we get a rough deal a little bit. It's like, so we earn less, no fault of our own. We work just as hard. Yeah. Uh, we physically, if we want to have, you know, children and start a family, we physically, we have to take time off to have said children and to raise them and wean them. And then, you know, like you said, we live a lot longer. So we have to have more savings than uh, men who, you know, probably have more savings because they earned more. It's not really fair. (laughs) That sucks. (laughs) There's a lot of factors kind of working against women. And then, as you said, the industry can be kind of like intimidating and there's all the, just these barriers that women feel about getting advice or working with someone. And and it just all kind of, it's like a perfect storm. Yeah. And I do find like one of the the joys I get for this podcast is um, talking to women who's like, oh, I just stumbled upon your podcast. I wasn't even looking for something finance related. And then I got hooked. I'm like, that's amazing. That's what I'm trying to do because I don't want, you know, finance can be kind of dry. But also I feel like a lot of the financial literacy you know, out there, whether it's like, you know, articles or videos or whatever it is, it is usually you kind of think of a man giving that advice, not so much a woman. So it's not just like us women having a hard time with all these other things is we're having a hard time finding someone that, you know, sounds like us, understands us, giving us that information as well, too. That is so true. Like hearing it. I mean, I think a lot of the work that you do with millennials, I think it's so impactful because mm-hmm. you're hearing it from a peer. Mm-hmm. And I think it's similar with this with, uh, I mean, I've been investing for probably 30 years ever since mm-hmm. I started working and I have a lot of experience in it, in this area now. And I think you're right. I think women are seeking role models and seeking mm-hmm. people that they feel comfortable hearing, hearing about this subject from. And then again, maybe we can approach it different language, less mm-hmm. jargon um, yeah. in ways that will feel more accessible. And it, that kind of reminds me of with my book too. Yeah, I really tried to make the this taught this issue of teaching your kids about money much more accessible and and f- to help parents feel like yes you can do it you can yeah. you just kind of need a, a structure to think about a way to think about it and, and an approach um, but it's kind of the same with this mm-hmm. no absolutely and that's I mean, that's the the reason I kind of got into this and got interested in finance is obviously a lot of the books that I kind of introduced me to finance, they were by men. Um, but then when I started discovering blogs, those were a lot of them that I read were by women. And it was so interesting to take some of the information I got from these books and then read these women talking about their own financial lives or their journeys and the ups and downs and all of that stuff and and feeling like, oh, like now I have kind of a real life reference point and someone just like me and I can relate to that. And that gave me the motivation to kind of not just read a book, but like, well, that's that doesn't apply to me because so and so and so. And you know, I, I think it's really important for, to have um, not just be a woman to continue to seek out this information by people that really resonate with us, but also, you know, people out there, if you have a story or have information to share, don't be shy, like go out there and, and, you know, provide that information. Yeah. I'm just looking at my bookshelf and you're right. Yeah. Most of the books that I've read, um, over the years about personal finance or investing were mostly by men, except for Patricia Lovett Reed. She was mm-hmm. always out there kind of as the face of personal finance, first for TD Bank. And now, you mm-hmm. know, she's on CTV News. Yeah. And she was like one of the first women that was really out there talking mm-hmm. about money in a way that was very uh, accessible. And yeah. uh, and she's such a nice person too. And I always kind of feel like 
have good memories of that. Yeah. And- yeah. And I mean, the good thing that's been happening in the past couple of years, I found like in the past, like two to three years, which is really exciting is um, a lot more women are writing personal finance books, which I love young people, old people, everybody. And I'm like, yes, let's do this. This is so exciting. Because looking at my bookshelf is like, there's still a lot of men, but a lot more women in the past couple of years with their books coming out, which that is true. Is and I think so great. Too, yeah. Like, and especially I see it more with the millennials as well. Mm-hmm. Like lots mm-hmm. of, lots of young women like your age and stuff that are doing such good work in this area. But I think with mm-hmm. investing too, you kind of need experience. You need a bit of yep. a track record. Uh, you need to have lived through some economic yes. cycles and some financial yes. market cycles. And I feel like uh, like I started my career in the late 80s. So I've really been around and I've seen a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, investing because that is always a topic that comes up. Um, my audience loves to learn more about investing. Um, and I like to put out more um, interviews with uh, experts about investing because I feel like the more you hear it, the more it'll sink in because it took me years for it to really sink in and me feel confident about like, no, I've heard this one you know, piece of advice five times. I- I'm going to believe that it is true. I'm not going to second guess myself. Uh, when it comes to women, this is you know kind of just from me talking to people in my audience or uh, working with clients. There's a huge, it's not so much that they don't have the information information. Sometimes it is a lack of information, but usually it's a lack of confidence. And just looking at some of the stats out there, it's very um, obvious that we invest differently than men. I know actually lots of the stats point that we're better investors because we uh, don't you know, speculate as much. We don't trade as much. So we're not spending as much money on fees and all that kind of stuff. But still, I think the big issue for women is having that confidence in ourselves that we're making the right decisions and starting. Like, I feel like that is a big, big thing that I've noticed for especially younger women is like, they're terrified of actually taking that next step and starting to invest. Why do you feel like that is? I think that you're right. There are some women that don't have confidence in their Mm -hmm. financial skills and they tend to think that they don't know enough or uh, Mm -hmm. they don't know enough to get started. And um, I think some of that may be perception and some Mm. may be true. Um, Although I really, there are, as you said, there are studies that, that have actually shown that um, women are not as financially literate as Mm. men. Um, And I guess if, if that is true, if there is a lack of knowledge, um, it does sometimes translate into hesitation to take action Mm because you're just not confident in, you know, your abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think that with women, just in terms of like um, when they do when they do start investing, mm-hmm. um, they do tend to start later than men, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is kind yep. of interesting. And yep. you know that can be a problem, as as we said earlier, given the other barriers. Um, but like you did say, some of the once they do start, they there's a lot of research that shows that they are actually better investors in than men. And I think some of that does go back to these personality traits. And I was hoping that we would have a chance to talk about uh, some of them because, um, you know, we said at the beginning, like, what are the, what are the reasons that men and women are different with money? Well, Mm -hmm. is it gender? Is it sociodemographic or is it personality traits? And Mm -hmm. there's really interesting new research around that, because as I said earlier, it was just assumed that, you know, women were not as financially literate as men. And lots of studies mm-hmm. show that even a Stats Canada study from 2014 showed that only 15% of women can answer uh, five short financial knowledge questions mm-hmm. correctly versus 22% for men. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And also, like you were saying about confidence, mm-hmm. um, less than a third of women f- reported feeling financially knowledgeable versus mm-hmm. 43% of men. Mm-hmm. So there's lot, and there's lots of st- surveys like internationally yep. that have similar gender gaps. Mm-hmm. But um, what I found really interesting um, was when you start looking at these underlying things like age, education, and in- income, mm-hmm. um, and especially personality differences, that makes a bigger difference in a lot of these mm-hmm. areas than than just gender. Interesting. So what are some of the different personalities out there and what are some of the you can kind of clearly see like the different decisions they make based on their personalities. Right. So 
I don't know if you're if you've ever like mm-hmm. studied psychology, but there's a not really. <laughs> no, I hadn't studied it at all either. But my son did, and he started talking about it a lot, and I sort of got curious. And there's something called the five factor model of personality traits, which is quite mm-hmm. well known. It's often referred to as a big five. And you can think of the acronym OCEAN. So Mm -hmm. um, O is openness. So openness to experience. Mm -hmm. C is conscientiousness. E is extroversion or positive emotionality. A is agreeableness. And N is neuroticism or negative emotionality. Mm -hmm. And um, what's really interesting is when you, some of these personality factors. Uh, The research has found gender differences in some of the big five, but not all. And like, if Mm -hmm. we look at some of the ones where there are gender differences, it's really interesting how it impacts personal finance. So agreeableness Mm -hmm. is the tendency to trust and ask fewer questions and Mm -hmm. kind of go go with the flow. And 31% of women scored as highly agreeable versus 14% of men in a study that TD Wealth conducted. And that's Mm -hmm. really consistent with psychological research that just shows that not every woman, but on average in general, women are more agreeable than men. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to money, if you're agreeable, then you're less skeptical and you're yeah. more trusting and, you know, you sometimes do what you're told because you don't always trust yourself or you're not along, you don't ask questions. Yeah. So it can have a negative effect on how you manage money, but mm-hmm. being agreeable also means that we have a greater tendency to cooperate and help others and experience empathy. So Mm -hmm. that might explain why women are more likely to ask for help when we need it. Like, you know, the old cliche about asking for directions when we're lost. Mm -hmm. So, you know, women are more willing to say, yeah, you know what, I may have a a knowledge gap here, or or I just need some help. Yep. So I think that's one really interesting um, way. And then conscientiousness too. Um, In this TD study, 46% of women scored highly as highly conscientious versus 39% for men. Mm -hmm. And not on all aspects, but on some aspects of conscientiousness, like like self-discipline and dutifulness, women tend to score higher. And this is a huge advantage, obviously, with Mm -hmm. um, personal finance, because you're more likely to make a plan and stick Mm -hmm. to it and take a disciplined approach to spending, saving and investing. And that can be Mm -hmm. a really you know, a big advantage for women. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, f- I found, yeah, when I was reading that study too, it was interesting to learn about how women are more trusting and it is kind of, it, it's it's both positive and a negative. It's like, it's good because you do want to, when you do feel, you know, confident and, and trusting in someone or, or a strategy or a platform, then you're willing to like move forward, but also you can maybe trust the wrong thing and make a decision. And that's always, I find that one of, when we're talking about like fears and stuff, what, what people have, that's a big fear that I find a lot of, of my kind of women audience is like, they're afraid of making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's another um, area that like TD looked at in their study, which was they called it reactiveness. Mm. And I guess it's the speed with which you react to negative events. And 35% of women scored highly on this attribute versus 24% of men. So, you know, I think it mm. kind of corresponds on the big five to neuroticism, mm. um, not to be taken in a negative way, but just being yeah. more like a negative emotionality because, mm-hmm. um, you know, women are quicker to react in certain things like traumas, like death or divorce could, could cause women more to protect our money more and yeah. become, you know, a little more careful around that kind of thing and just wanting to avoid making mistakes or avoid losses. Yeah. Because they yeah. tend to be more, a little more worried about negative outcomes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But the interesting thing about risk aversion mm-hmm. is that um, there's been some research that shows that women are more risk aware. And I like that mm. term because I like that better. Don't mm. you? Yeah. yeah. It's not that we want to avoid it, but we want to thoroughly understand a risk before we take it on. And I think going back to what you said about women, like being better investors, because they sort of mm-hmm. say the course, they don't trade as much. I think women are like more rational investors. So they'll take on smart risk, but they're not just going to over trade and, um, you know, try to be super aggressive. Yeah. Because again, women are less aggressive than the men. And again, there's lots of interesting research that shows that women actually do outperform mm-hmm. for those yeah. reasons. 
And it makes a lot of sense too, because whenever I feel like I'm in a, a group of people and we're having a conversation about investing, it's whenever there's some new like hot stock or when cryptocurrency was all the rage, you know, this time last year, um, during Christmas time last year, yeah. it was the men that were like, oh <laughs> yeah, I'm going to double, triple my money and blah, blah, blah. And it was the women like, oh gosh, you know, maybe I'll dabble. Maybe I'll like put a little bit in that, but they're very cautious and I mean, I'm sure they're laughing now because they didn't lose all their money in cryptocurrency. <laughs> but That's you know, so true. <laughs> it's just so, always so funny whenever I'm in a group of people. Yeah, it's always like the men that are so excited, like, oh, I'm thinking about getting, like, they're just learning about investing. And their first instinct is like, I'm thinking about buying some stocks, maybe weed stocks. I'm like, yeah, Let's I was going to say weed also. Relax. I feel like I'm more of a male. Mm -hmm. Uh, like it appeals to men more just like taking that high flyer and hoping that you'll knock one out of the park and it's interesting because the the, um, personality trait of extroversion Mm -hmm. um, it it doesn't really it's not it's pretty gender neutral but there's certain subsets of it like men tend to be more assertive women tend to be more gregarious yeah so again I feel like and then I think just like you know there's hormonal things that show that you know testosterone and men are more aggressive and they are um willing to take to take you know bigger risks but Mm -hmm. that can you know lead to big gains but it can also lead to big losses and I think also this whole have you have you been reading a lot about goals-based investing uh yeah Mm -hmm. so I feel like that appeals to women more as well yeah um, like, you know, what are my goals? What do I have to do to reach my goals? How much do I have to save? How do I invest mm-hmm. in the right exactly. asset mix for my, you know, risk and my time horizon, all that stuff. Whereas I think guys just want to do as well as they can. Yeah. They want to go big or go home. You know, they yeah. really want, it's rare when I'm like, oh, so you want to double your money because you want to retire early or like, what's the goal? They're like, yeah. I just want to get rich. So you feel like they don't always have, it's not tied to a goal. They just kind no. of, yeah, they just feel like they, they want they just to win. Yeah, they want right? to win. It's they a winner win. take all or kind of yeah. like a very competitive attitude. And again, that goes back to women being more agreeable and being more cooperative, more yeah. nurturing. And I really feel like these personality traits explain so yeah. many things that I always kind of felt made sense to me intuitively without knowing the science behind it. But now that I'm doing all this interesting research, it's like, yes, that really does confirm what yeah. I've experienced. Um, I used to work at Citibank Canada on the trading floor. And mm-hmm. I would say that um, probably nine out of 10 traders were men. Mm-hmm. But on the marketing and sales side, and I was on the marketing um, derivatives marketing side, it was much more evenly split. Yeah. Yeah. So That's you so just see it playing out everywhere. And then I actually read an article in Bloomberg that was saying that they, the next Warren Buffett could mm. be a woman. Ooh, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? Because the the qualities that have made him a successful investor yes. are more common to female investors. Like being, I know. Watching- I think that's why I like him so much because I'm like, he <laughs> is speaking my language. You know, yeah. like he's he's not this guy like, hey, how to get rich quick or hot stocks. It's just like you know, all about you know, kind of that passive thing or just, you know, like, I'm just like, he's, he's kind of my guy. And same with, um, John C. Boggle. I really like his, yeah. uh, information, his books, just cause I'm like, yes, it resonated you know, with me too. And yeah. He just, he just died sadly. So I know. A lot of podcasts about his career. So I was kind of refreshing myself with yeah. his philosophy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think it's like these being cautious, trading less, being patient, having a long-term focus, uh, you know, men do seem to be more distracted by short-term performance and like, mm-hmm. you said, like, you know, investing in Bitcoin or, you know, taking yeah. advantage of a run-up in a marijuana stock just so that they can brag somewhere. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. <laughs> and not to pick on men because these personalities, no. like, some women will uh, be um, at the, you know, not every woman is agreeable or conscientious. No. Like, there's going to be extremes within every, of yeah. So, but it, anyways, yes, I want yeah. to put that out. What so knowing some of these um, differences, I, there's a couple of things that come to mind. First, it's it'd be good to know this information um, so you can kind of let it sink in and be like, oh, so maybe this will help me a you know find a financial advisor that does speak my language because I think a lot of women sometimes are like, mm, maybe it's just me. I need to try harder. Like I used to do that with a couple of advisors I, I've worked with in the past. We just weren't really on the same 
page and I thought maybe I just need to make it work. But really like, no, I should have just found someone else. It wasn't a good fit. Or (laughs) also when you're in a couple, having that communication between you and your, uh, you know, your partner, your spouse, this could be how you can kind of tailor those conversations instead of being like, why aren't you understanding me? It's like, it's because you are coming from different you know, perspectives. But so let's first talk about, I guess, the first kind of question I had is like, how can we kind of use this information, whether we're a man or a woman to kind of find, if you were looking for, you know, financial help from a professional, how can we use this information to help us, you know, find the right fit for us? Right. So I think that it starts with really knowing yourself. And maybe you want to go online and take one of these personality tests and figure Mm. out kind of where you lie um, on the spectrum on some of these characteristics, because if, you know, you might know already, or you might have a feeling the way I sort of did. Um, but I think knowing that about yourself is the best place to start. So let's say you do find out that you are very low on conscientiousness. Yeah. Um, then I, and you know, which translates to sort of self-discipline and sticking to a plan. Then I think that that would mean that you would be an ideal candidate to set up some kind of an intervention, like an automatic savings plan. So setting Mm -hmm. up a transfer, an automatic transfer to an investment account and a TFSA or an RSP or something, let's say from your paycheck, Mm -hmm. because that takes the self-discipline out of the process. You know, that's going to happen every time you get paid or however you set it up and you'll learn to live off the money that's left. And you know that you're saving without having to actively take steps to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's say you score very high in agreeableness. Um, Again, that might mean you would have a tendency to kind of accept what your advisor is telling you without questioning it and not ask questions and not sort of speak up about your own Mm -hmm. priorities and goals. So if you kind of know that, then you want to look for someone that's like a very good listener Mm -hmm. that is asking you questions about um, that's looking at it holistically and asking questions about your life plan Mm -hmm. and your goals and your personal situation so that all that is taken into account when you're doing your, Um, you know, your financial planning and your investing Mm -hmm. and just finding that, like you said, the right fit, Mm -hmm. um, someone that's not going to, you know, mansplain or just take over. And um, I mean, I think it's okay to outsource some things, but you have to do it in an intelligent way. Yeah. And I think another important thing too, and this is what I realized when I was working with an advisor that, and I, I did, even though I, I feel like I, I'm pretty intelligent, I know a lot of stuff when it comes to finance now. Um, and at that point, this was about like, three or four years ago now, um, I, I was, you know, starting to take some courses and stuff. And I even felt when I was in the office with my husband, I was very, um, well, I, I didn't like to ask questions because I honestly was afraid of them thinking I was stupid or asking, so, you know, and, and I had a actively be like, no, you're here for this, you know, special time to ask him about, you know, what mutual funds you're in. Don't be afraid to ask a question. I think there's always that fear. It's like having that in the back of your mind. It's like, usually you're afraid of asking a question. So don't be afraid this time. You've wrote it down on your notepad that you were going to ask this question, ask your question. So I actually think that's like a really good thing to do is go in prepared with your list of questions and make sure that you ask them before the meeting's over. I mean, it could have been your advisor was directing the conversation more towards your husband. I think there's that bias there. Yeah. That oh yeah. That definitely anything. happened. And I'm like, yeah. he doesn't know anything. <laughs> Talk to me. I'm the one who's done all the research. She's just here to hang out. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that some of these investment firms, like I know Burgundy Asset Management is making a really big effort. They have the women of Burgundy and they have a lot mm-hmm. of education for their female clients. And they're trying to encourage them to come to the meetings and to ask questions and not mm-hmm. to just sit there and let their husbands. Exactly. Uh, take over because as I said earlier, like things, unfortunately things happen in life and women may find themselves alone either through divorce or death or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then it's your responsibility. And you really, Mm -hmm. if you have no experience, if you've never been involved, if you've never taken an active role or even a passive role, but being informed, Mm -hmm. it's like a shock to the system to suddenly have to do all that stuff by yourself. So And I I feel like too, when you do 
finally, uh, I feel like this is for men and women because I feel like in some couples I see like the woman is taking charge or it's the man. Um, but I feel like it's really should be an equal partnership because you are both contributing, um, in some way, either financially or you're, you know, if you're a stay at home parent, you're still contributing and organizing things and keeping things running. You both need to be an equal partnership because I feel like it, it is just good for both you as a couple. You'll be more on the same page, yeah. less arguments about money. Yeah. But I feel like going back to just like the idea of like women, we're working, we're earning money. We need to be part of that conversation. It helps you in your career in that you'll think more about maybe I should ask for a raise. Maybe I should ask for a promotion. I'm not earning enough here. Maybe I should look for a different job that will pay me more because then I know how this will affect kind of our family finances in a positive way. Yeah, it's true. You'll have so much more. You'll be so much more invested in the whole process, no yeah. pun intended. If you, you're right. I mean, if you are, you are contributing in some way, shape or form to the inputs, mm-hmm. you kind of want to be contributing to the outputs, you know, mm-hmm. long-term planning and um, like, you know, they should mm-hmm. be shared goals as a, as yeah. a couple or as a family. And if you go back to the goals-based investing, it's like, what are you trying to achieve as a couple, as a family? And what do you have to do to, you know, to make that a reality? And it is so much easier if you're not working at cross purposes, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So going back to the idea of, you know, a couple working together, I, I, I see this a lot. Usually they're not on the same page because they've never really talked about money. How how can we, you know, as like, you know, male, um, well, I, I guess you can be any gender kind of couple, go into a conversation about money and understanding that kind of lots of the things that we touched on, the different personalities, the different kind of struggles or things that we experience. How can we go into these conversations kind of, I guess, on a, on a better foot instead of just, you know, kind of bickering because we're like, why can't you understand the language that I'm trying to use to explain myself? I think that with goal setting and it all goes mm-hmm. back to your personal value. So yeah, one of the first things you want to do is to think about your personal values. What's the yeah. most, what's most important to you in life? What are you willing to take a stand for? You know, what is, um, you know, mm-hmm. and for some families, that's going to be education or yep. it's going to be uh, security and maybe mm-hmm. in the form of home ownership. Um, if for others, it could be adventure mm-hmm. and travel and that kind of thing. So knowing what those, what those values are and using those as a framework to help prioritize and uh, your spending and shape your goals and, and doing that, like you have to do that as an individual, but then kind of bringing that together as a couple and mm-hmm. saying like, what are our shared values? Where's the overlap? And hopefully, you know, you've married, you're, you know, with someone yeah. where there's a lot of overlap and then mm-hmm. you can use those, I think, t- to sort of form the basis of your financial plan mm-hmm. and absolutely. And you're investing now, sometimes maybe you do need to work with someone so yeah. that, there is a bit of a moderator that can yeah. help you find common ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you just start with what do I want to have and do in life and why mm-hmm. and what's important to me. And then try and have that conversation without like getting into like, you spent too much on this and you yep. spent too much on that. Like just looking at the big picture initially and then yes. maybe working backwards. Yeah, no, I, I found that to be so successful in my own life, but also, yeah, working with clients when you, and that's, it just makes it more exciting to, to talk about financial planning or managing the, you know, having your monthly money meeting or whatever, when you focus on your values and your goals first, because those are the fun bits and all the other kind of day-to-day annoying things. Those are, those are kind of part of it, but it's, it's always good to, I think, refocus every, you know, once in a while and be like, what's the big picture? What do we want in life? What do we want to achieve with our money? And then like talk about insurance or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know because you're right. Then it does kind of get into the nitty gritty of like yeah. these products and, yeah. um, you know, paying bills and all that stuff. But like, I think you're right. I think you get energized more around yeah. the goals and the, and um, I think that the goals that are tied to your values are so much more compelling and motivating and exciting and, and you'll be pulled towards them. Um, and you just have to somehow keep that big picture in mm-hmm. mind. Like I think so. Always stuck in the minutia of like your, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, your day to day. But exactly. um, like things like keeping track of money and making ends meet and planning ahead are actually, mm-hmm. um, there's not a lot of uh, difference between women and men. Like this was mm-hmm. a CPA Canada did a study that was interesting. Um, one of the first studies that looked at these other factors. So, you know, women do budget well, they do, mm-hmm. um, 
do a good job of, you know, keeping track and, and figuring out how they're going to stretch the resources and stuff. Um, where there were small gender differences were more um, along things like choosing financial products, staying informed about finances and, um, you know, actual having actual financial knowledge. But again, personality played a much bigger role than just gender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think like you kind of want to, you don't want to waste time um, in areas where you're already pretty strong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you're yeah. already doing a good job with your budgeting and bill paying and day to day, great. Focus more on areas where you're not as strong. Um, you know, like you mm-hmm. said, maybe you just need to be keeping up to date by reading pot, by reading blogs yeah. and listening to podcasts and um, staying informed that way. And that will also yep. help increase your financial knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of knowing where your where your weaknesses are, and trying to mitigate those somehow, either doing things yourself or or working with someone in an intelligent outsourcing kind of way. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I found in my own life, I I used to be so it was very easy for me to grasp certain concepts, and other ones just scared the crap out of me, just because I just I, they were my weaknesses. There, I just didn't have that knowledge, and I didn't. And and I, I take a you know concerted effort. I'm like, no, I am going to learn about these things that scare me that I know I'm not very good at. And once you kind of make that effort and start educating yourself about that, and the whole, you know, idea of a financial plan becomes less scary because you're like, I know all the elements now and I, I'm not scared of any of them because I know how they all work. And you, it just kind of builds your, you know, going back to the confidence thing we talked at the beginning of this episode, it builds your confidence in all aspects and you'll be, you know, you, your partner, everyone will be better for it. Yeah, it's true. Knowledge is power. That Mm -hmm. cliche is true, but I agree with you. And I think it's like a virtuous cycle. Like the more Mm -hmm. you learn, the more confident you feel, the more confident you feel that, you know, the more willing you are to learn new things or harder things. Like you said, certain things were easy, other things you have to kind of push yourself, but you feel like, oh, you know, I, I, I got it. I, I think I can probably get it if I just sit down mm-hmm. and, and figure it out or spend some time on it. So it's yeah. not always easy to no. force yourself to do things that don't come naturally. Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to, I mean, that's part of growth. If you're not uncomfortable, then you're not growing. So yes. just embrace that discomfort. <laughs> that's what and I again, found. I think knowing, like knowing what your personality is like too. I think yeah. again, that goes back to that. And yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I know that I'm definitely on the highly conscientious side. So Mm -hmm. that explains a lot about my approach to this stuff. And um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where like the, I guess maybe openness has to do with like Mm -hmm. uh, willingness to learn new things and be open to new experiences. Yeah. But yeah, I think everyone should take a one of those quizzes to find out where they fall under that kind of personality. Um, kind of categorization. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it seems sort of obvious when you think about, of course, those things would be important when it comes to personal finance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's just amazing that it had never really been studied that much until recently. I know. It's crazy. Well, I feel like we could talk for another hour, but I won't (laughs) do that to you. Thank you so much, Robin, for, for chatting with me. I think this is such an important topic that people need to hear and, uh, you know, kind of research on their own after this, where can more people learn more about you and what you do? Cause you're always out there, you know, doing talks and writing amazing articles. Where can people kind of start following you if they're not already? So they can visit my website, which is robintobe.com, Robin with an I T A U B dot com. And I do a lot of writing. I contribute a lot to the Tangerine forward thinking blog. Mm-hmm. So um, you can link to my portfolio uh, of writing mm-hmm. on their blog through my website. Um, you know, we'll also list upcoming talks and um, and podcasts and things like this. I'm also on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. My handle is at Robin Tobe. And um, I mean, this is an area that I've just really, like it just started in mm-hmm. the fall that I started exploring this and uh, developing a really major interest in this area. So I'm hoping to, you know, start creating more content Mm -hmm. and more things in this space, like pivoting a little bit away from the kids and money. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's always something that I will be 
talking about, but I, this is something, especially women and investing. And it just feels like at this stage of my life, I mean, as I said, like the kid, the kids book kind of came out of that stage of my life where I was mm-hmm. raising sort of young kids up until, you know, up until they went to university. Now they're young adults. And now I'm kind of thinking at this stage of my life more about investing and making sure mm-hmm. that I'm doing a good job with that. So it really feels like a, an interesting and timely way to be yeah. Uh, developing new material. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I referenced a bunch of studies. Yeah. There's so much stuff out there. There really is. But the CPA Canada study, mm-hmm. um, if you I'll go- link, I'll link to them in the show notes because I've got some of the links. But yeah, there was the CPA okay, study you great. referenced and there was one by TD, I believe. Yeah. TD Wealth also created um, these really cr- this discovery tool where you can actually, um, you know, again, like figure out your your personality stuff, as well as some of the other, we haven't even talked about this, but like the behavioral finance, behavioral economics stuff around Mm -hmm. how we think. So there's all these other biases and like blind spots that we have as investors and and financial planners, um, which is really interesting. So they have information about that on their website. Um, The CPA Canada study also has tons of, in the in the references, they, they reference like so many other studies on financial mm-hmm. literacy, financial capability. So it depends how deep into this hole you want to go. Mm. You know, <laughs> that's what I started. Like I realized it's, the more I start looking into it, the more I'm learning that mm-hmm. there is out there. I know it's a, a whole new world of finance. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really feel like it's use It's very practical. I think yes. knowing these things can really help you uh, do a better job and whether like, you know, just even one last thing, like we talked a bit about risk aversion. Like if you mm-hmm. know that you're tend to be risk averse, but you also know that you need to take some risk in order to reach your goals, yeah. you know, again, maybe working with someone and expressing that and working through that and understanding mm-hmm. really the risk return profiles of different investments could really make a difference in that area. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Robin, for, Thank you, for chatting with me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that was episode 191 with Robin Tobe. Make sure to uh, check her out on her website, robintobe.com. Remember, her name is R-O-B-I-N-T-A-U-B. You can also find her on Twitter at Robin Tobe and on Instagram, Robin Tobe. Um, and make sure to check out the show notes for this episode, uh, which is just jessicamorehouse.com slash 191. I'll uh, include some of the stats and uh, things that we talked about in this episode that you'll definitely want to check out. I'll also include a handy... Uh, you know, a couple links and buttons for a couple exciting things I get to share with you right now. Well, just in a sec, I'm just going to uh, share a few words about this episode's sponsor first. This episode of the Mo Money podcast is sponsored by the Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card. Looking for your award-winning cashback card? The Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card might be just what you're looking for. For a limited time, you'll earn 10% cash back on everyday purchases in the first three months, up to $2,000 in total purchases. Plus, the annual fee will be waived for the first year. That's a value of up to $299. This offer expires April 30th. But wait, there is more, with great benefits like access to hotel room upgrades, best available rates, VIP guest status, and late checkout at over 900 luxury hotels around the world. Or gain access to the exclusive Visa Infinite Dining Series, which includes dining events with once-in-a-lifetime chef collaborations at the country's most highly anticipated new restaurants. You can even call up the Visa Infinite complimentary concierge to help make your life easier by taking care of almost any request, like dining reservations or building vacation itineraries. To learn more about the Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite card and see if it's right for you, visit jessicamorehouse.com slash scotia or visit the show notes for this episode. Once again, that's jessicamorehouse.com slash scotia or check out the show notes for this episode. Okay, ready? Ready, Freddie? Okay, number, I, yeah, I'm going to start with the most important one. Um, so uh, if you follow me on social media, then you will already maybe know um, myself and the wonderful Erin Lowry are teaming up uh, because she is doing a book tour. She's releasing her second book called Broke Millennial Takes on Investing. And we're teaming up in Toronto to do a big event all about financial literacy and specifically investing. It's called Level Up Your Money. It's happening on May 7th in 
Toronto. Um, we, you know, tickets went on sale, early bird tickets went on sale Monday and they sold out. So I am releasing a few more early bird tickets. So make sure to check out the show notes for a link to that. Or you can just go to jessicamorehouse.com slash level up and uh, it'll take you right to the Eventbrite page so you can buy uh, some tickets. It is going to be phenomenal. If you've ever been to one of my events, it's going to be like that, but like times two or three or four. I don't know. It's going to be like bigger and better. Not to say that my events aren't always amazing, but this is going to be fabulous. It's going to be a big event. We're hoping for like a hundred people. There's going to be drinks. You're going to get some delicious food. You're going to get a copy of her book, which will basically pay for the ticket. Um, yeah, you're going to get a ton of awesome value. Also, we're doing a panel discussion. Myself, Erin's uh, going to be the moderator. Um, we are going to have Barry Choi on the panel. Myself is on the panel. And then we're also going to have an investing expert from TD Direct Investing, who is the wonderful sponsor of that event. So make sure grab your tickets while you can. It's going to be a phenomenal event. I cannot freaking wait. And I hope uh, to see you there. If you cannot make that event, because I understand you may not live in the city. It is happening on a weeknight. It's happening on a Tuesday. I, I know. I get it. And I'm sorry. What can I do? I hope to do many more events throughout uh, the year. And by many more, I mean like maybe one or two, because you know me. I've done in two, what is it? This is like year three of me doing events. I've done like five, five, this will be number six. So yeah, I'll, I'll try my best to uh, also, you know, pop in. I'm coming to Vancouver in the summer in July. So I'm going to do something there. So, you know, um, but anyway, so I totally understand. But if you are in Toronto, um, and you're free this week, like tomorrow, Thursday, April 4th, um, come on down to the Sheraton, uh, Toronto, and uh, because I'm going to be there, we're doing a, uh, I'm going to be joined by a bunch of people. Uh, the host of the event is Rubina Amenhawk, who's also been on the show. Um, and there's a big product launch of Cloud Tax, which is a new free uh, income tax um, software. So I know you're probably fully aware of the um, software called Simple Tax. This is basically like simple tax, but in my opinion, a little bit better. Um, and uh, I wrote a blog post all about that. So you can um, find more info on my website, jessicamorehouse.com. Uh, more info on my Twitter. It's a free event. Uh, so if you want to hang out with me and uh, talk some taxes and, and chill, that'd be cool. I hope to see you there. It's April 4th. It is at the Sheridan Center, Toronto, and it goes down at 6 p.m. to uh, 7.30 p.m. So that'd be kind of a uh, Cool. Just putting that out there. One last thing. I promise this is for real the last thing. Um, if you want to share um, what you think of the podcast and get a shout out on a future episode, uh, all you have to do is take two seconds out of your day and leave me a podcast review. I would really, really appreciate it. Um, and, it, you know, again, you'll get a shout out or read it out and, you know, it'll it'll be nice. <laughs> the only one I got in recent days was one from the US. And I love you friends from the US, but I get a lot of like... I, I'm going to guess just kind of old man trolls, you know, kind of thing interviews, but I kind of have to share this one because it literally made me laugh out loud and my husband laughed out loud. Um, and so hopefully this will be not what you give me. Maybe, you know, especially my American friends, you can give me a nice review that that would be nice. Um, this person AMS4467 from the US of A says, terrible interviews, no information. They never get to the point. It's a jerk off between finance nerds. Well, I I don't even know what to say. I mean, gotta, you know, agree to disagree, I suppose. But uh, thank you, AMS4467, for that hilarious uh, iTunes review. I mean, who spends time to write that and put that? Uh, I don't know. Good luck to you. I wish you all the best. Actually, I'm totally going to be snooping on this guy because I think you can click on someone and see all of their reviews. I think I'm going to do that later. <laughs> Anyways, thanks so much for listening. I, uh, I'm going to be here next Wednesday, obviously, with a fresh new episode. So I'll see you then. Have a great rest of your week. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.